0: If you're not having a good time in this place, uh, I know that there's some circumstances that float around that sort of bring us down. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. Man, I'm excited. I don't even really know what to say to you guys. Is that okay to say? I see so many awesome faces around here and I just, I love you, man. I've journeyed with some of you and I just love you. I really do. Oh man. See, that's what happens when you enter into his presence is all the stuff that is affecting you, like it really, you're the only one that's holding on to it. You're the only one who's holding on to it. You enter into his presence. And like I, I told like, honestly, what you're hearing is just real stuff from here. Uh, as I was sitting here and the Lord was telling me, he's like, Scott, man, I, I am too good for you just to sit still. That's what he said. And I said, God, I can't, I can't run around this place. i walk. That's what I said. I said, i walk. I'm not going to run, but I'll walk. And so I did. I just walked around. I walked my first ever lap around this place during worship. And I cannot wait for the day where I can honestly say to the Lord, I'm, I'm going to run. I think it's because i got a little too much weight on me right now, and I'll run later, but no I just i i this place this is the presence, and can I just tell you something? you usher his presence everywhere you go, and so what I want around you is a cloud of love. I want a cloud of love around you guys oh oh listen listen, there's a lot of crazy things happening. But the power of love will always defeat the craziness that's going on around you. The greatest of these is love. We've been accused of chasing the next encounter of God. We've been accused of chasing miracles and healings and people being raised from the dead. Yes. But the greatest of these is love. And so I want you to carry love everywhere you go. And for that to happen, guess what needs to be inside of you? Love. You need to know what that is. And see, we're so focused on all of the things that are external that we're missing out on the fact that the creator of the universe is literally in the same room that you're in right now, and some of us miss it. And we leave this place more bitter and confused and angry than we actually came into it. You cannot enter into the presence of the Father and leave the same way. So I was going to preach from Jeremiah chapter one. This is a little different this morning. Here's where the Lord is taking me. Jeremiah chapter one, Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter one is where we're going to spend the next few minutes this morning. It's going to be interactive. Not needing you to say and me talk, but I need you to like listen to what the father is saying to you. On the screen is going to be this process because of about two months now I've been trying to like dig deep and like figure out like, God, what is it exactly that you have done to me? Because I'm different today than I was maybe six months ago. But what I'm learning is that is the process the father takes us on is that when we truly surrender and say, God, I, I can't do this thing in the flesh anymore. You see, what happens is you come to a point and some of you have been there. And some of you are there and some of you are going there and you don't even know it yet. But you come to a place where you literally loathe your flesh. You hate yourself. Like you hate who you really are. And most of you people in this room, you're in positions. Maybe you like lead people and they're trying to keep their job so they never tell you how you really are. They never tell you what it is like to be on the other side of you. That's a dangerous question to ask. I've asked two people in my life what it is like to be on the other side of me and one has yet to answer because I guess he thinks I'm going to fire him is Pastor Bradley I said dude what is it like to be on the other side of me and I asked my wife what is it like to be on the other side of me and she said well where do I start how much time do you have are you ready big boy she calls me big boy all the time and that's just what that is is a little jab we get—we fighting like toughen up bud that's what she said to me one time and my bud blood boiled It's just realness. Peter and his wife fight, and we fight good. All right? So, husbands and wives who are fighting this very day, listen, learn how to fight good. Men, let me just say something. Let's manipulate it a little bit. If we fight really well, it's even better when you make up. All right? It's just real. You get to a point where you literally do not like your flesh. Your flesh is your, your humanness, who you really are apart from Jesus Christ, apart from being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I'm, I'm 42 years old, and I'm just going through a new process of this. I'm going through a place where I am really searching, looking inward, and what I see sometimes I just don't like. And it's okay to admit it. In the church, we have told you, you get to this point, and then you have to hide what you revealed You have to put the mask back on to look like you've got it all together. What does it look like to have a group of people in a community who run headlong and aren't afraid of what the flesh really looks like? Let me just tell you, it's difficult. And I think that's why so many of us never see true freedom and breakthrough and empowerment is because we get to the point where we see inside of who we really are and it scares us to death. And it's just easier to fake it for the next 40 years. You will get to a point where you have to look so inward. And when you start to look inward, and I'm talking, it's just you and yourself in the bathroom, in the mirror, and you are looking into who you are. Some of that just scares some of us to death right now. In Jeremiah chapter 1, the Lord comes to Jeremiah. He's a young man. And he says, hey, Jeremiah, you're going to do all these things. And I'm with you. And I was going to sort of teach on these, like several of those verses. But I just want to, I think, need to hang right here for the time period this morning. Listen, you see all this, go back to the screen that has all this, this process that, and listen, I'm trying to go through. This is not the gospel, even though the gospel is in it. This is not for everyone, although I think it can fit your life into some degree. I am trying to portray and to tell people what is actually going on in my life, because that's what we as a staff are going through. What is going on here? Like, what is making you 12 years into doing ministry? That's what I've done. 12 years of being in ministry. What is it that is taking place, not only in my life, but so many other people's lives? And I'm trying to, like, dictate it to you. Because I've tasted and seen, and I want it for every single one of you. And so when I sat down and I started to really concentrate and like, God, tell me what this is, he sort of walked me through that series. And so I've been trying to tell you how worthy you are and and today and for the next maybe couple of weeks and, and then Pastor Brent's gonna be just full throttle, hammered down in momentum one, like tomorrow night at seven. This is not gonna be something that we drag out and preach for the entire year, even though I think we could. This is the thing that God has taken me through. And what I believe has honestly happened is, is I've come to a place in my life at age 42 where I'm just starting to grasp what the Father is wanting to do in my life. I can't force it on you. I cannot shove this down your throat and I cannot quote you enough scripture. I can't preach you long enough or short enough or funny enough or engaging enough sermons for you to get this. The only way this comes about in your life is if you say, hey, God, I can't stand who I am in the flesh. I'm tired of wreaking havoc everywhere I go. God, I need some newness in this life. And he takes you through this journey. And your journey may look a little different than that. But I promise you what will happen at the very end of it, not that there's an end, but the end of where I am today is I truly feel like if God asked me to fly across this room, I could fly across this room. That would be weird, wouldn't it? But in my heart, that's how confident I am. Not in myself. Listen, I've looked in the mirror. I've had the hardship. I have seen how sickening I am in my flesh. But on the other side of that is I just know how good God is. And so this is where he's taking me. And your identity is where we struggle. We struggle with it. We're on a stinking roller coaster when it comes to our identity in Christ. Because we think all these other voices and all of these other things, even the experiences that you're going through, are shaping your identity. And I've come again, like I say, looking in the mirror, to learn that I have yet to fully overcome the fear of man. That's just me. Now, you guys may have it all figured out, but me personally, I'm just sharing from my heart, listen, I struggle sometimes with the fear of man. I struggle with it. And what I've learned is that when you yield to the voice of man, you're also going to yield to their opinions of you and their thoughts of you and their voice. And their voice and opinion and thoughts of you start to shape who you think you really are. And can I tell you that there are no circumstances in any one of your lives right now that changes who you are in Jesus Christ, there's not one circumstance. And so can I just quickly, I want to draw something on the board, and I'm going to quickly go through this. It's the cross. It's imperative. I'm not going to preach on the cross this morning, but I want you to know something, that the cross, the event that took place on the cross, the man Jesus, the son of God who died on the cross, it's imperative. It's imperative. And you don't need a church service to raise a hand or repeat after me prayer to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't. All I want to say, because I know in a room this size, there are people in this room, and you have never walked into a relationship with Jesus where you said, you know what, I, like, the flesh that you're talking about, Scott, I didn't know it was called flesh. I just thought that I was a jerk. I need that to go away. And you start nowhere else, not in a discipleship class, not quoting scripture, not going to church, not going to Sunday school. You don't start anywhere else other than the cross. Because what Jesus did on the cross, he died for your jerkness. Is that as simple as I can put it? The cross of Christ is imperative. You heard me say that. I know we're being accused of running after miracles and seeing people raised from the dead and all this kind of stuff. Listen, that's okay. But here's what happens. When you run after Jesus, those things follow him. Okay? So I'm going to run after Jesus. And if somebody gets healed of cancer, in Jesus' name, praise God. If I run after Jesus Christ headlong because I know I'm a jerk and I don't see a miracle, then Jesus is still my Savior cross is imperative and most of us that go to church we've been to church we have born in the south we we get this thing sunday morning 11 o'clock what do you do go to church you go to mammals and eat lunch you go home and lay on the couch and watch a football game that's the culture that we've created and so we have this experience whether it was in church or a youth camp and it's a mountaintop experience we give our life to jesus we've repeated a prayer but here's what happens Soon after this experience of a raised hand, a repeated prayer, a salvation message from a preacher, as soon after that, soon after that, what happens is this. We sin. I'll make it a big one. <laughs> a big sin. Woo-hoo, that's mine. We, we sin. And what we instantly think is, oh, oh. I need to go back and hear that dude say that again and I'll raise my hand again. I'll go on my knee and I'll repeat whatever he says. says, that's what we've been told. I gotta get resaved. I don't know how many people down in even this church, what we tried to lead, have been resaved. You don't have to get resaved. Can I tell you, you don't have to go through the motions again because what we have taught is that after this happens, you, you need to go read a lot of scripture. And you don't need to hang out with the people who caused this. Can I just tell you real quickly for the teenagers in the room? You caused this. The people around you didn't. All right. Maybe the adults needed to hear that too. <laughs> we start to learn our identity in Christ. We, we, we start to know that we're forgiven and we're free. But then we, we sin. And this happens, and it not only makes us as people feel just down and beat up, but we start to view our identity that way. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. This wasn't real. My God must not have saved me. And so we start allowing, how crazy is this mindset that we start allowing our sinfulness to dictate who we are? See, my flesh leads me to Las Vegas, homeless, on a park bench, with AIDS. That's my flesh. Do you think that identifies me today? No. No. I could probably stop right here and just say this right here for too long has caused us to run and hide from the Father. I love the fact that every person in this room that is probably older than maybe 10 knows exactly what this is in their life right now. Ooh, It's coming to church to be uplifted. You got that a few minutes ago in that worship, Sam, man. We're dealing with some stuff that's reality tomorrow when you go back to work. You probably know what this is currently in your life. And if we're not careful, we're going to let this identify us. For too long, we've allowed this to cause us to run and hide. Let me say that again. For too long, we've allowed this to cause us to run and hide. This, to run and hide. But that's just what Adam did. Adam and Eve, the guys in the garden, guys and girl in the garden, They sinned and what'd they do? They hid. We're just following after Adam. But what if we don't listen to the voice of the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him. He is the one telling you, oh, you've sinned. You have jacked yourself up. Why don't you go hide? That's what you're doing. How about Instead of running and hiding when we sin, instead of running and hiding, what if we run after the Father and we get into his presence and we'd listen, we don't have to beg him to forgive us, but we understand what was done on the cross and we say, God, thank you so much for being my savior. See, Satan wants you to be separated from God by sin. The Father sent Jesus Christ to the cross so that you could be brought close to Him, even when you are a jerk. And so, we're identified by this, man. No wonder culture looks like it does today. Mmm. No wonder Christians aren't changing every ounce of area their foot touches because this is what we believe. So what happens is we have to do something about it, and so here's what we do. So we do really good for like three days. We, we don't sin for three days. We listen to a podcast about something the preacher said that he doesn't, I don't even know if he knows what he's talking about, and then we read uh, um, a Joel Osteen devotional book, and um, we don't cuss for three days. You got me? It's reality. And what happens is we get a little bump. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I feel pretty good. I'm better than my neighbors. They didn't go to church yesterday. I did. Oh my goodness, hold on a second. I didn't draw that high enough. It's reality, man. That's how we've been doing this thing called religion for way too long. But what happens is you get laid off from your job. Somebody tells you something encouraging. Cancer. Doctor's report's not as bad as you thought. Untimely death. Until the point where you die. I preach your funeral put some flowers around and you go to heaven. Is that pretty accurate? See, it's not the way God intended this thing to be. Now I read scripture and I see all of that through it. I'm not, I don't have time this morning to go all through Jeremiah chapter one. I'm gonna trust that you're gonna do that and, and you're gonna see things where God is pouring worth Into Jeremiah. He is pouring identity into Jeremiah. He is reassuring Jeremiah of his calling. He is equipping Jeremiah. Can I just tell you, these points right here, these low points of hurt, pain, sin, and destruction, and you name it, are not low points of your life, they do not shape your identity. If you are looking at this from an earthly perspective, if you are under the influence of your flesh, then you are seeing these as low, devastating points in your life. What if, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, Listen, there's no way, ifs, ands, or buts. You are either under the influence of your flesh or you are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. There is no in between. And if you are looking at this through fleshly eyes, no wonder you're in the shape that you're in. But if you, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, can see this as God is seeing this, these are not low points. These are equipping points. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. Listen, I was called into ministry. I knew my calling. God started to do things in my life. He gave me a church. I was so on fire. I said, God, I got to do something. He allowed me to go pastor a church in 2005. I had never preached a sermon before in my life. But I knew what God had called me to do. So I said, yes, I've just tried to get in the habit of that. And in 2005, he sent me to this place out in the middle of nowhere. And he allowed me to pastor a few people and that was it. And then soon after I started that in 2005, making $300 a week with a wife and two children in the will of God, being obedient to God, pastoring, called He sent me to this place, and I found myself soon after working at Dollar General. I'm going to tell you, I even looked at it this way then. I said, God, how in the world? I'm a man of God. I'm a man of the cloth. You've called me to pastor you have told me to preach the word and I'm down here unboxing boxes and stocking shelves of cat food at Dollar General. How dare you? But Now on this side of it, I see it not as low points of my life. I see it as he equipped me. He was equipping me. And I've kept, and I don't know where it is. I'm trying to find it. I have kept the little yellow box cutter that was on a little cord you pull it like that that's awesome it attached on my belt almost like a fanny pack but a, it was a, i just cut those boxes and put the cat food out god was equipping me listen i didn't get my identity from working at dollar general and i'll tell you i don't get my identity as pastor in hope city Listen to this. There are no temporary events that can touch an eternal promise. You hear that? I don't care. I do care. I don't listen. But I don't care the fact that you're not being defined by this in your life because the eternal promise is this. Hey, listen, you're a princess. Do you know that? And you're a princess. And you are a princess. And it's not because you girls are are beautiful. And it's not because you've got it all together. And it's not because you are just the greatest behaving little girls around. The only reason that you're a princess is because your father is a king. You hear me? And so I'm a prince. Not because of this wonderful church that I love but because my dad's a king. And so, no matter what externally is happening to you, your identity is not being affected. You see this, this cross, the event that changed everything, wasn't designed to get us through something. See, that's what most of us think. Oh, Jesus, just help me get through this. No. You see, this was not designed to get us through something. This right here, where Jesus died, you see, its purpose was to transform us into someone. And I know that we're just in the early beginning stages of this thing. And there's many more classroom settings. There's many more conversations to be had, not just from the stage, but in your car ride on the way home. And here's what I want you to talk about. You see, he came to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah did just like us. He said, no, God, I'm too young. And God said, no, don't say that. That's for probably maybe next week, the way we speak. We have to speak to each other as we know we are, not as we actually are performing. Okay. Does that make sense? I, I cannot speak to you on your performance. I have to speak to you as I know you are. <laughs> I told a funny story, and this, just give me a couple minutes. I, um, a friend of ours um, was at dinner last night telling us the story of their son whose tooth fell out. On my whole tooth, not just the tooth that you put under your mattress or your bed. That would be weird. The tooth fairy couldn't get it under the mattress. But under the whole root, the whole root came out, attached to the tooth and all. And, and, and he just put it in his pocket and went about his day how beautiful, man, I I want that kind of, my son, my son, nine-year-old over there, um, he broke a tooth off acting crazy in school one day, which I think was the only day he acted crazy, but that one day he acted crazy, he broke a tooth, (laughs) his teacher's actually here, and she's like, "Um, (laughs) I'm speaking as he is, not as he performs, all right, we're all gonna get that. But he broke his tooth, he bumped his head and broke his tooth, and he just went about his day, too. Um, if you could have heard the phone conversation, it was awesome, because the teacher called the mom, and my wife's like, well, he's okay, and she's like, well, actually, it's in a bag, and it, like, really broke off, and Daisha was like, well, he'll get over it, you know? <laughs> That's basically how it went. So I, I, um, I, I just went to the right immediately to, like, not like, oh, no, I hope he's not in a lot of pain, but I immediately went to, oh, how much is this going to cost, you know? And so I'm, I'm trying to grow as, as I mature and as I move into this thing, I'm trying to grow. So here's what I want you to do as you go home, as you go home today, and we're going to pray over some of you here, um, specifically your family. We're going to pray over you guys before you leave. I just saw your little daughter yeah, I'm talking to you. I saw your daughter. I was looking at the cameras in there, and the Lord told me to pray over your daughter. So I'm praying over your daughter before you leave this place today. Cool? Cool? Good. That's just real, Okay. Um, there came a point here in this early conversation with Jeremiah and we've been weirded out by this and I'm gonna say no more in Jesus' name weirdness to this. In verse 11 of Jeremiah 1, I want you to look at it. The word of the Lord came to me, and this is Jeremiah. He said, what do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah. Sort of a weird way to end this church service, isn't it? What do you see, Scott? And I'm going to tell you right now, I know that there's some neurons and protons firing and your brain is working. And immediately, some of you started to answer that question about yourself. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you when you look inside of who you really are, Holy Spirit is going to allow you to see who you really are. But he is so good that he is not going to have you believing that's who you are. Because some of you need to be honest with yourself in this room. And just like God did with Jeremiah, you need to answer the question, what do you see? I want to tell you, if it lingers in the zone of negativity, if it stays there longer than just a minute, if you start to answer the question, what do you see, Scott? I see a jerk. I see an angry person. I see a liar. I see a you fill in the blank. And if you linger there longer than a minute, I'm going to give you one minute to dive into your flesh. One minute. Because if it lingers longer than that, then that's not the Father telling you who you are. If Romans 8.1 is true, if it is, I have come to the conclusion that it is. You have to come to the conclusion for yourself or not. But if Romans 8.1 is true for you, therefore, those who are in Christ Jesus... There is no condemnation. And so if it lingers longer than a minute, this is what I need you to say. In Jesus' name, Satan, you can speak to me no longer. And so Don, and Sue, Scott, what do you see? here's what you're going to hear. I see you as perfect. I know that's hard for some of you. I see you as perfect. And I see you as loved. Hey, I I don't see the things that you've been defining yourself by i don't see how those people that mistreated you when you were younger i don't see you as that oh, you see yourself as broken i don't i don't see you broken I want my daughter. She's 13. I need her to know this. I need her to know how perfect she is. You're perfect. You're perfect. Even when I, your earthly dad, don't tell you that and show you that. You see, the father sees you as he knows you to be hey in Jesus name right now this mess has got to go this mess has to go agree to disagree but the cross is imperative you said yes to jesus and what he did was give you an opportunity for a new identity not one of brokenness not one of a liar not one of a cheater, not one of an adulterer, not one of an abuser, and the list goes on. What he did was give you an opportunity for a new identity. And when we walk under the influence of Holy Spirit and not the flesh, we see all of these little spots as opportunities to strengthen who we are in Jesus Christ. There are no bad days in heaven. Oh, oh, okay, Yep, you're going to sin, but we're not going to hide. When I sin, I'm running to the Father. I've seen this personally in this very church with my family. Because we're all brothers and sisters in this thing. I saw two people lose their job on the same day and they ran straight to the Father. Hmm. <laughs> They lost their job and they love Jesus and they're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They did not go this way. They ran to the Father. I hear of people with cancer all the time. Run to the Father. You're not defined by a disease. We just experienced in our community to a friend of mine untimely death. Untimely death. Run to the Father. Whatever it is for you. Whatever it is for you. Your identity. Never changes. Again we can agree to disagree. But when you look at it through a kingdom perspective we're not going to have any bad days either.